Matthew 13. We're looking at the second parable, the parable of the wheat and the tares. We'll begin in Matthew 13, verse 24. The Bible says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven. Now, that's the powers on earth, that kingdom of heaven, that physical kingdom, is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. At night, the wicked seem to work harder at night, don't they? That's the powers of darkness. Uh, it's what the world needs to be delivered from. Verse 26, but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Now, tares strongly rep, uh, are, are very similar in representation of wheat. And a lot of times, most times, it's indistinguishable from wheat until it, you know, the ears of it blossom. And then, and then uh, verse number 20, it says, so the servants of the householder came and said unto him, sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? In other words, you were diligent in sowing good seed. Come on, what happened? Well, from whence it came. In other words, it came from someone else who was diligently sowing tares, some other seed. So you have two diligent sowers here in this parable. Uh, look at verse uh, uh Okay, so verse number 28, he said unto them, an enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. That's the parable of the wheat and the tares. The explanation, get verse 37. We'll read through the text and then start making some more comment. Here's the explanation. Jesus said, uh, verse 37, he answered and said to them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Uh, you know what? One thought here. Look at verse six. Th uh, six. Then Jesus said, sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. So you got a multitude and then some disi the disciples came into the house. In other words, if you want to hear it, come on and follow Jesus. And he'll start explaining the parable. Everybody see that? switch from multitude now those disciples are getting direct from jesus christ uh, let's pick up where we were verse 39 the bible says the enemy that sowed them is the devil the harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire so shall it be in the end of this world the son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. We'll come back to that word kingdom in a minute. Verse 42, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of the father who hath ears to hear. 
Let him hear. The disciples weren't getting this idea of persisting evil that is going to permeate after Jesus leaves the earth. They didn't, uh, they didn't pick all that up either. And so these parables, Jesus is trying to explain the condition of the kingdom of heaven during this church age time. So right now, the age that we are in is the church age. It's the times of the Gentiles. What's the field? The world. Close. The world. The world. No, that's okay. The world is the field. So in the world... We cannot distinguish by outward appearance who is a unbeliever and who is a believer in the world. Because you might have a lost person that lives morally. Think about every false religion. That's an easy one. Think about every business person that wants to have a good reputation in town so he lives morally, okay? Now think of a believer who's out in the world but just lives like the devil, lives so carnally. Out in the world, you can't distinguish by outward appearance who's who. God can. But we just stress ourselves out trying to trying to figure all that. We won't be able to. Now look at verse 24 as we go through this text. Matthew 13. We're still in. Look at verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them saying the kingdom of heaven. This is the physical kingdom. That's happening here on the earth, the physical kingdom, not the kingdom of God that we said was within. Remember in Luke, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. That was that spiritual kingdom. This kingdom on earth right now is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. That's the likening. It's not a spiritual kingdom. So look at verse number 38. The field is the church. No. No. The field is the world. That's important. Because doctrinally, we're not talking about the church. This isn't the church. This is the world. Why? Because the field is the world. The devil always has a counterfeit. You have believers out in the world. The devil has a counterfeit. He'll make unbelievers look like believers out in the world. Now, why do I have to say that? Because too many times there's preaching and there's doctrinal teaching. Well, you got to watch out for the tares in the church. That's why I'm emphasizing this difference between the world and the church. This is a kingdom of heaven parable. And this isn't talking about tares in the church. This is talking about out in the world, you're going to have wheat and you're going to have tares. 
You won't tell the difference between the believer and the unbeliever. The church is not a mixed body. If you are part of the church, the church is made up of whom? Believers. It's believers. So there isn't one single unbeliever in the church. Now, an unbeliever might visit a church house, but they're not part of Christ's body. They're not part of the church. This is not, well, the tares are the hypocrites in the church, and we, no. The tares in the parable are out in the world. The field is the world. has nothing to do with what's going on in the church. You know why? We're going to go over a couple of reasons why. In the church, you don't allow good doctrine to coexist with bad doctrine. <laughs> you don't let that happen in the church. In the world, you do. You don't try to save the world and clean up the world. But in the church, you just don't let bad doctrine come up. And no. You deal with that, and we'll get to that a little bit more in a minute. Another reason why it's not the church is look at Matthew 13, verse 30. The Bible says, let both grow together until the harvest. Remember what we said about, you think Jesus is telling us, just let bad doctrine grow with good doctrine until I know. It's not the church because of that. You do that. You let that happen in the world. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares. Now watch what you do with the tares. Bind them in bundles to burn them. Is there any believer that is part of the body of Christ that's going to be burned? No, it's not the church. It's not the hypocritical Christians in the church, and we got to preach against these tares and get these. No, we're talking about the world. If you are a believer, you are part of the church. Therefore, now there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You're not going to be burned at any point. At any point. Go to 1 Corinthians 5. What are we to do in the church? You're not to allow the tares to just grow with the wheat. Watch what we're told to do in the church. First Corinthians five verse. Well, let's start at verse number nine. It says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters. For then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother, you call yourself a brother, in other words, be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such and one know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without. Nothing really. Do not ye judge them that are within? Yes, we judge those that are within. 
But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. First Corinthians, we all know that church was a mess. What do we do in the church within the body? We don't let a so-called tear grow up and stay. No, God tells us in the church, we are to deal with that immediately and get rid of that. You don't keep that around till Christ comes. <laughs> What's he saying? The wheat and the tares, that parable, that's out in the world. God will deal with that. God will sort that out when he comes back. We are not to try to correct or judge or fix the world. You know what we are to judge? Ourselves within the church. We must keep pure by following what God said to do. And we see in 1 Corinthians 15 how church discipline should be ministered, at least one aspect of it. The church must handle its own problems, but it's not to try to rid the world of their problems. I'm going to give you an example. Religion is a master of these kingdom principles. I'll give you an example. Matt Walsh, this Daily Wire guy, he made this big documentary, which great documentary. We'd all say, man, you know, what is a woman? Well, you can't figure that one out. You got problems, right? But he says, he, he, he says his own words, I'm as Catholic as they come. But the Pope has disappointed me by failing to provide leadership on the greatest moral issue of our time. In other words, Matt Walsh, he's for men stepping up to be men. He's for two genders. And the Catholic Church has traditionally been for two genders. So he's had some disagreement with the leadership of his church, who he says, his own words, I am as Catholic as they come. So him as a Catholic, trusting in Mary as the mediator, grace plus works, sacraments and a way of receiving graces through your life, and a hope so, not a no so, is it disagreement with his leader of that religion. Through and through, we'll agree with him on these kingdom principles. Look, there's two genders. Through and through, we will agree with a man like that and an organization like that that says abortion is murder, wouldn't we? If he has not trusted the gospel... He is going to the same lake of fire that all of the homosexuals are going that have rejected Christ like he's rejected Christ. Are we okay? Are we okay? This idea of preaching kingdom principles and trying to distinguish a man out in the world. Well, he's a believer like us. No, he is not. He agrees with some kingdom principles, some social issues. 
You know what he's trying to do? Rid the world of tares. You know what he does not do? Preach the gospel. So ask, answer me this. Why are millions of quote-unquote evangelicals flocking to websites like that and news feeds like that by the millions? This is great. This is wonderful. I wish the church would. Hold on. The church shouldn't be trying to rid the world of tares. The church should be preaching the gospel. And those same millions of people that follow outfits like that, where are they when the local New Testament church has an outreach? I don't know if you get sick of me saying this or not, but the heartbeat of a New Testament church is its evangelistic efforts that should be the heartbeat from the pulpit so that the people are not trying to change the world, but trying to change the hearts of those who are called up in that world system. Are you guys picking up this? It's very important to get. God told us to get busy preaching the gospel, not trying to rid the world of all the tares. If Matt Walsh wants to come to this church, do you know what Matt Walsh will have to do? The same thing that you did, the same thing that I did, and the same thing that we preached that the homosexuals and the LBGD, the alphabet soup crowd, I can't get all the letters out, has to do. You know what that is? Abandon your religion. Abandon your hope and your moral living and by God's grace, accept what he did for you. A sacrament won't do it. A conservative news feed won't do it. Millions of followers because you made a video about transgender, this gender, bi-gender. I seen a hat the other day a guy was wearing. He says, I identify as non-binary. <laughs> now, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> Look. We cannot, in the physical world, in the kingdom of heaven, everybody is free to do what they want. In the kingdom of God, the spiritual kingdom, we are not free to do whatever we want. We are to clean house, so to speak. But in the, we're, not, we're not supposed to sweep the world, clean the world out. Now go to Luke 4. I'm going to show you. Keep your finger in Matthew 13. Go to Luke 4. Everybody knows Jesus, right? Yeah, amen. Okay, watch what Jesus does here. Luke chapter four, look at verse one. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness. Being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. So tell me again why we think that our life as Christians down here on earth should be a cakewalk. 
Jesus is being tempted and he's hungry. Now let's keep reading and see what happens. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone to be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And Jesus tried to fix all those kingdoms. He didn't, did he? And the devil said unto him, all this power I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Jesus did not try to fix the devil. And he did not try to fix the kingdoms that the devil showed him. It wasn't his time to do it. He is going to come back. But that wasn't the time, right? Every February, or whenever they do the, the Super Bowl. Can you believe Christians, evangelicals, on the Facebook and on the YouTube and on the Twitter and on the, on the you know, the... the, the you know, the tic-tac, tic-tac-toe and all that... <laughs> Can you believe the halftime show? God's got to be coming back. It was so vile. It was so, it gets worse and worse every year. The Lord has to be closer. May I remind you that the halftime show during the first three centuries after Christ died on the cross was Christians being slaughtered, being fed to lions in Greek coliseums, being burned at the stake. It's always been this bad. Anybody want to just thank God you were born in America? All these underground video underground videos that end up surfacing of I won't mention the horrible things that they show on how Christians are being killed because of youngins in the in the in the sanctuary. It happens. Get yourself a subscription of Voice of Martyrs. Go ahead. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read Martyrs Mirror. In nineteen eighteen, the Spanish flu. You know what happened if you didn't wear a mask? You went to jail. It's never been this bad. COVID came. They're asking us to wear a mask. We're going to go to jail and get fined. <laughs> the sign that was worn the pic in 1918, it said, wear a mask or go to jail. And it was like five, six people wearing a mask. Well, they were just paid crisis actors. Okay, in 1918, maybe they were, maybe they weren't. Historically, they were called mask slackers. These people paid fines and they sat in jail. Why am I saying that? Well, I don't really believe that happened. Okay. Whether you agree that it happened or didn't happen, here's the point I'm trying to make. The church is still moving on. <laughs> okay? The church is still here 
after the Spanish flu and after the COVID-19 flu. Is the church still on? We're not trying, our job is not to try to rid the world of the tares. Our job is to preach the gospel, not clean up tares. Satan owns the kingdoms. You won't rid the world of all the evil. The parable of the wheat and tares, Jesus says, just let them grow up together. And I'm going to get rid of them when I come back. Just let them grow. Go to 2 Corinthians 4. I know you're going to be searching to see whether or not I was right on that Spanish flu thing. I don't know if I am or not. It could have been fake news. But it wasn't the first time that we were asked as Americans to wear masks, was it? We better move on. (laughs) Second Corinthians four, second Corinthians four. But if verse three, but if our gospel be hid, it is him to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God should shine on to them. Look, nothing has changed. God is still on his throne where? In heaven. And in the meantime, you know what Satan doesn't want us to do? Shine the light of the glorious gospel to those that are lost in the world. He wants them to stay blinded. We are not promised by Bible prophecy to have a Christian college in our town or a secular college that lives by all the kingdom principles that we want. Can you believe there's drag queens in our libraries? Can you believe there's drag queens in our in our colleges or in the buckle of the Bible belt? Well, yeah, I can. On one side, yes, it's surprising because it's so close to home. On the other side of the coin, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. It's never gotten this bad, really, in the 17th century. In the Shakespeare, Shakespearean plays, you know who were the only people allowed to perform on stage in the Shakespeare play? Yes, that's right, sister. Men. It was all men. It's never been this bad. They have drag queens in the library and drag queens in the school and drag queens on Tennessee Tech. Really? In the 17th century when they were doing Shakespeare's plays, that's where the term came from. The men were just astonished as they're putting on women's clothing and they're dressing up like women out in the public. How the dresses and the blouses all dragged on the ground. Hence, you had the term drag queens. It's not surprising. This is not the first time that we have public drag. I hate to let Tennessee know that, but it's been going on a long time. 
You are not going to clean up all the tears on the college campus. You're not going to clean up all of the wickedness in this world. Get yourself a Bible and go out and preach the gospel. The glorious gospel of the grace of God. That's a good time for everybody to say amen, by the way. Just kind of cue when you. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Start amen. Amen. I call it a repeat. Speaking in tongues now. <laughs> yeah. I know. Myra, Myra said, she asked me last Sunday, or maybe it was Thursday. My brain's so fried sometimes. She said, what's the last book in the Bible? And I'm thinking, oh, I know where she's going. I said, that uh, Zechariah, or no, I, she said, she asked me, what's the second to the last book in the Bible? Because I had said that Zechariah was, and I meant, I said it twice, and I didn't realize it. I was, I, I was thinking the Old Testament. Let's go to the second to the last book in the Old Testament. But I got everybody confused. I was wondering why people were looking like, what? So, where are we at? Matthew 13. Go back to Matthew 13. Get yourself. We'll get ourselves back on course here. God is not. Gathering up right now. Matthew chapter 13. Look at verse 29. Watch what he says. Verse 29. But he said, nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. God said, hey, it's my field right now. Just leave the thing alone. You know what the principle is for this parable for us to learn as Christians? Do not isolate yourself. Do not isolate your family. Jesus is telling the disciples and he's trying to teach us, look, look, you are going to have to learn how to live in this world with the tares. It's not your job to burn them up. It's not your job to pull them out. It's not your job to fix the world. You are going to have to learn how to live in the world, but not be of it. And you know what you're going to shine when you go out in that world? The light of the glorious gospel. Why? Because it's hid to them that are lost. You can't distinguish it anyway. Stop trying to reform the world. Stop trying to reform the government. Instead of trying to clean the pond, why don't we just go fishing in the pond? Fishing for men, for souls. Anytime we try to do something in the name of Christ, but it's really not in the, <laughs> but it's not what Christ told us to do. 
then it's not in the name of Christ. We're not to try to fix the world. We can't fix it. God said he'll harvest. And he called you and I out of the world. And you know what he you know where he placed us? In a body called his church. Look at verse 38. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. This is Jesus. He's sowing good seed in the world. The good seed are his children. Have you trusted Christ tonight? That's you. That's me. Be content where God sowed you. Bloom where God planted you. Stop wanting to be somewhere else and start producing fruit where God sowed you and planted you and you've bloomed. Now let's get some fruit going for him. This is the idea. Look at verse. Okay. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Look at verse 39. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. Now we see the enemy is sowing bad seed. As the good seed is springing up. And all types of evil will be produced. We see that as we look out in the world. And you know how long this is going to happen? Not when a new king is crowned in England. Not when a new president gets elected in 24 in the United States and everybody who thinks their guy is going to win. That's the savior of the world really isn't the savior of the world. He just gives you some more things down here on earth that you like, like freedoms. But none of that is going to change the evils of the world. It's going to continue to go on until when the next election. No, Until Christ comes back. It's going to continue. Look at Matthew 11. Verse 12. Matthew 11 verse 12. The Bible says. And from the days of John the Baptist. Until now. The kingdom of heaven. That's a physical kingdom. Suffereth violence. And the violent take it by Force. You know when you can violate the law? You know when you can do violence against the law? When you have more guns than the other guy. The kingdoms of this world right now have always and will always be taken by violence, by force. Our army is bigger than your army. We win. You want to think about attacking us? If you attack us, you will be met with a force of power that has never been. What is that? It's violence. You threaten me, I will threaten you with more violence. I have more tanks. I have more guns. I have more military power and might, and I win. If I don't have enough weapons of mass destruction, I don't win. Who wins the, the who wins this kingdom of heaven thing right now? These this earthly powers. Those with the most 
ammunition. And that's the way it's going to be until Christ comes back. Now, I was born in 1972. 19, that time of being born is probably one of the best times to be born. I mean, we grow up with Reagan. I mean, it really was. The prosperity, the wealth, no World War I, no Great, no great Depression, no World War I, no World War II, no Vietnam. I mean, I mean that, that small chunk of time from like 1970 to 1980, man, that was a good time to be born. It's just, a, it's just a blessing when you think about all the violence and stuff. Go to 2 Timothy 3. I want to show you something. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. I think you'll like this. The year I was born and the country that I was born in. That small window of time. And if you were born in that area, you, era, you can relate. And the country I was born in allows me to not have to live this biblical truth right here. 2 Timothy 3, verse number 12. Yea... And all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Except I really haven't suffered persecution. The worst that I've suffered is stay in your house and wear a mask. And we shut down your business for a year and a half. And I can't live as full and rich and free as I have been so accustomed to. That's the worst of my persecution. And because I was born in that small window of time in this country, I don't have to live that verse. But there are millions of Christians who have to live that verse every day because they weren't born in America. You don't know what it is to suffer for Christ Jesus. And I am not putting forth tonight that I want you to know what this verse is. But nonetheless, let's start to wrap up. Go to Revelation 11. The violence isn't over. Revelation chapter 11, verse number 15. Revelation eleven fifteen, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. At the end of the great tribulation, that seven-year time frame, Christ comes back and he takes control of the kingdoms of this world. Now, isn't that glorious? Look at verse 19 or chapter 19. Revelation 19. Verse 11. 
And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress in the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. Christ will take it by force, and he will win. Praise God. Last verse and we're done. Because you can get all excited about the war he's going to make. But he wants you to do something right now. First Peter chapter two. God didn't call you to ride in on the white horse. And he didn't call you. He didn't call you to just blend in with this world. He called you out of darkness and he wants you to stand out for him. First Peter chapter number two, verse number nine. But ye are a chosen generation. Have you trusted in Christ tonight? The Bible says you're a royal priesthood. Have you been redeemed by the blood of the lamb? The Bible says you're an holy nation. A peculiar people. That means you don't fit in with this world. You think different. You talk different. You look at different things. You listen to different things. You dress different. You live different. You run your homes different. You're a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So the parable of tares and the wheat, look, it's not the church. It's the world. Leave it alone. Handle business in church. It's the pillar and ground of truth. The world just let them harvest or let them just grow one with another. Go out and preach the gospel. So good seed, bring people into the church. But God said, just let it grow. When I come back, I'll handle it. I'll clean up the world. Don't you try to clean up the world. You get busy preaching that glorious.